0: Our mission is creating a world where people make a life and not just a living. Uh, now, Wendy, this is actually a documentary you told me about. Um, and it's it's just like perfect fodder to dis- for discussion because, I mean, I loved watching it. It's incredibly entertaining. But for reasons that I think we've already at least kind of implicitly alluded to, um, there are, are, are actually a lot of problems with this documentary and its outlook. Um I don't know. I'm not sure where the best place to begin is, but maybe we should just talk about what the hell WeWork is and kind of what the, what the story was there a little bit. So, Wendy, to the lay person who's never heard of WeWork, what was this thing?
1: Uh, I'll try to give my like 30 second explanation. WeWork was a company that built itself as a tech startup, even though it was really more more of a real estate company. And in a lot of interviews, you know, people would say like, aren't you more of a real estate company? But it was founded by this guy, Adam Newman, who as you mentioned, had some weird, you know, things before. We were kind of like Billy McFarland, who's the Fire Festival guy. Adam Newman had this thing um, that made knee pads for babies. And the tagline was like, just because they don't tell you doesn't mean it doesn't hurt, which feels like a joke from friends. And so it's really funny that he thought this was like an actual startup. He had something that he Um, called a collapsible
0: women's shoe, which like I, I did a deep dig and I still can't figure out what that was supposed to be.
1: Yeah. So this guy was clearly just like, has entrepreneurial blood. He really wanted to make something, you know, he really wanted to be become someone. And somehow he was in a position where he was able to create this co-working space, a company. Um, I think it was something, it was of there's at least the story he tells of it is that it was like serendipity, as opposed to something he had really thought that much about. It was more just like, oh, we could just, we could just do it. We could just do this. He didn't really have a background. And Real estate or anything. Most founders don't really have a background in the thing that they're doing. But then this company just managed to grow really, really quickly. They um, they were founded uh, in 2010 in New York City, and this was you know right around the time of Occupy. And he managed to kind of brand it in a way that was almost anti-establishment. Like you want to work for yourself. You you want to be your own boss. You know, come work at a WeWork. You can be free. This is for the creative class. It was just like a bunch of different buzzwords all in one. And they just got really popular. They had really good branding. They managed to raise a lot of money, mostly from, um, eventually, from SoftBank. And that was kind of how they became this giant that everyone knew. I think they ended up raising around 20 billion total, something like that. It was just a bunch of really complicated deals. But they were once valued at uh, 47 billion, which is a lot for a company that doesn't necessarily have an obvious pathway to profitability. But that at the same time is something that a lot of tech companies do where they just, you don't need a path to profitability to be valued at a a huge valuation. You just need to have like a really large dream. And this guy had a big dream. So the collapse of WeWork happened in a bunch of stages, but there are all these stories that came out about how the founder was just weird. He let his wife run the business in a weird way. There are all these weird things going on. The financials didn't look so good. And then they were supposed to IPO, but all the negative press kind of delayed that. And then eventually Adam Newman stepped down and we work still around. I mean, they're kind of like a zombie company, but I actually listened to a a webinar that they hosted recently where they're talking about how 2021 is going to be their year. You know, they're (laughs) going to turn it around. And so it's a really interesting story because I think it's like kind of a parable of, you know, how a company can fly too close to the sun. But at the same time, I think there are competing explanations for it that actually are really important like if you have you know more of a i don't know a liberal centrist perspective you can just read this as like oh this guy was a bad guy and good thing we have a system that works that they they stop this company from ipoing but then if you have more of a, like a cynical read you know you can see it and just say like well this is how most companies work right this is how so many companies are able to raise a ton of money and just really do nothing innovative But most companies get away with it. So I think there's like an interesting dynamic there.
0: So watching the documentary, it can be confusing at times exactly what the company does, because (laughs) it eventually amasses a pretty enormous portfolio.
1: Yeah. I realize I forgot to mention that. I don't even know. They, they, they sell co-working space, kind of, but also a lifestyle. Right. Well, I
0: mean, at that that is actually, I mean, the absence of an explanation of what the company does is, I feel like, a part of its appeal. It's a part of the mystique. I mean, when you strip away the artifice of WeWork uh, and you strip away all the sort of like messianic rhetoric that Adam Newman attached to it, it's like, what do they do? They, they rent uh, space in major urban centers. Uh, they renovate it to, I don't know, give it a kind. Of, like, coffee and kale aesthetic. I don't know what you'd call that. A sort of, you know, modernist exposed brick, uh, w- wood tile floor, you know, lots of big open spaces, beanbag chairs, that kind of stuff. You all, we all know the look. Uh, and then they, they rent it to people who have startups. In, uh, incidentally, Billy McFarlane, once a WeWork uh, tenant, which is a fun little. Detail. I, I'd forgotten about the populist um, kind of shtick to, to WeWork originally. Whatever that company, I've already forgotten the name, even though I wrote like three things about them. But the company that was involved in the GameStop controversy that was doing these like um, kind of micro deals. Robinhood? Right. Robinhood, yeah. it was called. Which is a great name. Yeah, which is a great way. name. And, and it was chosen very deliberately because they came out of, they launched, I think, during or immediately after Occupy Wall Street. And their whole pitch was like, uh, this is taking finance out of the power of the oligarch, and we're giving it back to the people, you know? So I think this is something that's very important to emphasize about Silicon Valley is that one of the great sources of of its appeal, um, like I see all kinds of people retweet like Elon Musk and stuff, who I feel like should know better. And I think it's because the the story that Silicon Valley tells is a very powerful and kind of a small P populist one. It's all about like creative destruction and and like individual empowerment and, and personal autonomy. And like in many ways, it uses all this kind of quasi revolutionary language that's like left over from like the late 1960s and stuff. It's the most like dynamic reactionary force on the planet in a way.
1: We want to uplift the world's consciousness.
0: We really want to go to the next level
1: i really got annoyed that there was so little economic context so there's a lot of focus on like the culture of it you know here's what the cult was like here's how adam newman spoke here's here's the weird things that he did and it, it made it seem like that was the only thing wrong with we work the fact that there's this charismatic guy who just you know wasn't very good at executing and it's like well let's talk about the actual business model because even though the business model is not as obviously exploitative as say uber it's like kind of meta-exploitative, you know, because there's this original enclosure. Well, I mean, let's talk about the real estate market in New York City and every other city in the world, really. Let's talk about, you know, where does that money go? Let's talk about the, the the person who was president around the time of all this, Donald Trump, who made all of his money through New York City real estate. There were some really interesting directions the documentary could have gone. It could have talked about who are the landlords who are actually making money from WeWork, including Adam Newman, right? I mean, he it seems like he did this thing where he would lease um, his own buildings.
0: He would buy the properties, and then and then the company would rent them from him.
1: Yeah, which is, I mean, it's a thing that people have done for a very long time. I actually heard about, um, I think I want to say, Fred Trump did the same thing uh, with. Like a very similar thing, and just you know, found a way to kind of a real a real
0: paragon of virtue, Fred Trump.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, this is like definitely in the real estate market. It seems like this is a thing that happens a lot, and the film didn't really talk about how this was common. It just made it seem like, oh, this guy just did some really shady things. I was like, well, let's talk about how this actually happens to a lot of companies and people find different ways of justifying it. Let's talk about.